0: Right. well, today's scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. We're going to read this in the ESV. There's ESV Bibles in the back if you want to grab one of those. Um, but also, uh, yeah, if you have your own Bible or Bible app, uh, if you're joining us from home, just know that we will project the scripture on the screen, uh, but sometimes it is kind of hard to read it uh, depending on how big your screen is. And so, uh, yeah, we encourage you to find that. Again, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And if you could uh, please stand as able, uh, just wherever you may be, if you're comfortable doing this at home, you're more than welcome to do this. If you're joining us in person, uh, if you could please stand as able uh, for the reading of God's word. So may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, um, I, I, I've been telling folks uh, basically this whole kind of spring and summer after the school year uh, got out that I kind of think of this summer series, if you want to call it that, that, is uh, things that I need to be reminded of M- myself, Steve. I need to be reminded of these things. And uh, this is a message that I think um, has been hitting me in different ways over the past few years. Um, I kind of discovered this passage that um, I, I really never paid much attention to, but it kind of changed my life. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and it has to do with regret. And I have to say that uh, our society uh, doesn't really like regret. You always hear people talking about living your life with no regrets. And um, there's this quote I came across as I was preparing this message, um, that maybe captures how people feel uh, about that in this world. And and just want to kind of present this quote to you for your consideration. Is this biblical? Is this what God desires for us? Um, Or is this kind of like more a human concept? Or maybe there's some wisdom we can get from it. Um, it, it, It's live your life so that your epitaph boldly states, no regrets. You guys know the epitaph, right? It's like what's going to be on your tombstone, the, the thing you're remembered for. And, and so it, it sounds kind of nice, right? This idea of, like, the thing that's going to kind of sum up your life is they live their life with no regrets. But again, is that biblical? Is, is that really the life that God wants for us? And as I've been thinking about this, I was like, you know what? I think there's actually a difference between the way that uh, scripture, in, in a moment, we're going to talk about this, the way it talks about living with no regrets, or without regret, I should say, uh, and the way the world thinks about it. Because think about it. If, if you were able to live your life where, like, you absolutely had no regret ever, there's either, you're one of two things. I mean, I, I know it's, like, hyperbole, right? Like, I mean, can anyone really live their life with no regrets? But just humor me for a second. If you truly live your life with no regrets, probably one of two things is true. Either you are perfect, and you have never made a mistake, or you are a sociopath, (laughs) and you just are completely oblivious of the damage you are doing (laughs) to other people, right? Right? And, and I don't think that either of those are really biblical because we know that even though we are created in the image of God and we are created with, with, with a great destiny that God desires for us, that we are not perfect. We are sinners, right? And we have a sinful nature. And there are certain things that lead us and you know, incline us to sometimes make mistakes. right So you are going to make mistakes. I think we all know that. But it is in light of that. So, you know, again, th- this idea is like, hey, you know, be bold, right? Go for it. Don't ever regret anything, you know? But, I mean, come on, let's be honest, right? I mean, you're going to not always follow through on the things that you think you want to do, right? Uh, one of the things that we know is that even if you think you know what you want to do or you, th- you think you know what the right thing is, that sometimes the Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, and you're not going to be able to follow through, right? And so there are going to be moments where we're like, oh, man, I should have done that, or I shouldn't have done that, right? And so, friends, I I just want to take a look at this scripture, and and I got to tell you, when I read this, it it was just like, yeah, like like a bomb went off in my soul in a good way, like where I was just like, wait, what? Wait, I got to read that again. And so I've read it you know, several times over the, the, the past few years, I keep kind of revisiting it. And so again, it's Second Corinthians uh, chapter seven, verse 10, and it says, "For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death." So again, because it's only one verse, I think it bears repeating. For godly grief produces a repentance. So we're going to talk about what repentance is. We have to understand that. That leads to salvation without regrets. Whereas worldly grief produces death. And so, friends, you, you got to see these two things side by side. There's godly grief, and it leads to, uh, uh, it produces repentance that leads to salvation. But then you have worldly grief that produces death. And we are told that godly grief is done without regret, right? And so what does that tell you? That that these two things you're holding side by side. So what does worldly grief look like? Worldly grief has lots of regret, (laughs) right? And it produces death. And and friends, I got to say that for me, I read that and I was like, wait, what? Like, For one, I was like, is that right? Because I got to tell you that I feel like my Christian life or what I thought was my Christian life was filled with lots of regrets, right? Because again, this is something we talk about in the church, that we are sinners, right? And I'm very aware of my sin. I have since I was 12 years old, the moment that I, I came to know Christ, it was like my eyes were open to my sin, right? And I saw it everywhere, right? And it's something about me, too, that I'm very, very hard on myself. And so I have tons and tons of regrets, right? And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean to to do this without regret? Well, first of all, we do need to understand what, what, what it's talking about here. Because if you know the context of what Paul is talking about, it's not this kind of like, well, it's definitely not what the world thinks of when they think about live your life with no regrets. So, yes, th- there is a way of like saying like hey, you're supposed to live boldly, you don't want to ever look back and you know, you're going to be like 95 years old and you're going to think about the path not taken or you're going to think about, you know, the person that you didn't talk to, right? Like there's that one person that you're like, "Oh, should I talk to her? Should I say something to him? But you didn't do it. Like, oh, man, what could have been? I know that's the way the world thinks of it, right? But also, I do think the world just doesn't like regret. And so if you make a mistake, we just want to be like, no, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to live my life with regrets. So I don't want to you know, feel bad about that, right? Who does? But you got to understand the context of this. And so what had happened was to the Corinthians, Paul had wrote, written a letter to them. And he wrote a letter in such a way where it broke the hearts of the Corinthians. They knew that there were things that they weren't doing, right? And so they were like really, really grieved, right? you, You hear the word grief in here, right? They felt bad, there's no other way to put it, right? But what happened from that? What happened from that was the Corinthians changed right? It probably had something to do with supporting Paul and his ministry and not realizing the needs that Paul's ministry had. And so what ended up happening from this is that the Corinthians started to renew their fervor in caring for Paul and his ministry and to renew their fervor for the Lord and their lives changed, right? And so friends, please do not think that when we say living a life without regret, it doesn't mean you're never going to feel bad, Right, But there's a difference between the kind of godly grief that Paul is talking about that leads to ultimately what he's talking about, salvation, versus worldly grief, which is about feeling bad. Oh, like I feel so bad, I shouldn't have done that. Right? And friends, you know, I hope this kind of comes out. I don't want to just kind of like make a bullet list like, hey, this is godly grief, and this is worldly grief. But I hope you see the differences. So first of all, what is godly grief supposed to do? It's supposed to lead to life change, right? And so, friends, um, godly grief is supposed to lead to salvation without regret. Okay, we're going to deal with the whole regret thing, but we got to deal with salvation, first of all. Okay, so if you just take the context that we're talking about. So the Corinthians were maybe doing something selfishly, or they weren't aware of Paul's need, or there's something that they needed to change in their lives, right? There's something that wasn't right? Okay? So you've got to understand that context because I think so often, uh, if you've been to LGM before, you've probably heard me talk about this, that we just have so codified certain words in the Bible that they've lost all their meaning or they become only one meaning. And so when you hear the word salvation, you automatically think of what? Going to heaven after you die, right? But I, I say this all the time. If you think about just from time immemorial, what does salvation mean? It means saving you from whatever situation you're in where you're in trouble, right? If you fall off a boat and you're saying, save me, save me, it's not like, you're going to go to heaven after you die. (laughs) It's going to be, help me not to drown, right? And so if you're living selfishly, what does it mean to be saved from that, to stop living selfishly, right? Does that make sense? If you're depressed, And you need to be saved from that. What does it mean? It doesn't mean just to go to heaven after you die. It means to stop being depressed, to start having hope, right? It means actually experiencing the life that God wants you to live, right? For your life to change. If your life was producing death, that your life will start now producing more life. You will live a life abundantly, right? And so salvation, friends, I mean, it's much broader and much bigger than I think sometimes we make it in the church, right? And so I think, like understanding the context, I think you can understand that this is a broader sense of salvation, right? To actually change and improve and turn around your life so that you're living the life that God desires you to live. Does that make sense? Everyone with me? Yeah? And so godly grief is supposed to lead to that. And so there is something here that's saying regret is not going to help you with that, right? Because worldly grief, on the other hand, leads to death. So think about what regret does to you. Now, like I said, I'm a big regretter. (laughs) And and I think for all of us, we experience these things where, I mean, I I don't have to tell you, right? But just for the purposes of, of us understanding this this whole idea of like worldly grief, right? Let's just kind of walk through it, right? You make a mistake or you've made a mistake. You made a mistake in the past. Has this ever happened to you? There's something in your past that you did that you just kind of buried or you just kind of forgot about, right? But you did that thing. And just one day, something reminds you of that. I don't know. Maybe it's someone you wronged and someone mentions their name. Or Better yet, you actually see that person, or that person calls you. Their their name pops up on your caller ID. What do you experience in that moment? What do you experience? (laughs) Regret, right? You're like, oh, man, oh, it hurts, right? It's not even pleasant to talk about or think about. You're like, oh, man, I did that thing. Oh, man, I, I, I wish I hadn't done that. And then what happens? What happens inevitably? You experience a little bit of the pain that you experienced back then. Don't you? Right? Or you relive a little bit. A little kind of film clip plays in your mind of that thing you did before. Right? Now, what do you do with that? Because now what has happened is that thing now becomes restuck in you. I don't know what happened. Maybe just the passage of time, or you work really hard to forget about that or to bury it. Right? But it's still there. It's still there. Because the moment that that name popped up, right, you didn't have to do anything, just automatically regret right i mean that's just how it works and and there's a part of you that's like oh man like what do i do with that how do i get rid of that it's like one of the worst feelings right and maybe some of you are like me where the regret will just play over in your mind i don't know if you guys have ever like you know like watched a video clip or something you know on instagram or tiktok or whatever and I don't have TikTok, so I only know Instagram does this. Those video clips, they just keep looping over and over. You ever just get stuck on a clip and you keep stop, stop, You just keep watching the same monkey do a dance like over and over, you know, or just, and, and you're just like transfixed by it. That's sometimes what happens with our regrets, right? It just keeps playing in your mind over and over. And for whatever reason, you don't change the channel. Sometimes you don't even know how, right? And it just feels so bad right? It's not an entertaining clip where you're like, <laughs> monkey, you know, but it's like worst mistake you've ever made, and you're just like, right? And just keeps playing over and over and over. Now, let me ask you a question. What does that produce in your life? Where does that lead to? Does it lead to new life? Does it lead to more love? Does it lead to more godliness? Or does it lead to more self-condemnation, more hatred. Or, I mean, let's be honest, friends. Maybe that regret is so deep and you're just like, oh my gosh, oh, this is so terrible, that you don't even know what to do with that. And so you start doing things that are not good for you to forget. Maybe you take a substance, maybe you drink, right? Why do people do that? Why do people who suffer through traumas, they do this, right? Or they have PTSD or whatever, right? And friends, uh, we're not criticizing anyone. We're just saying that this is what happens, right? We know this. Because we're like, I just need something to just like wipe my mind for a moment. If I just get like a moment's respite from this, it would be worth it, even though it could like really damage my liver or, you know, create a problem for me in the future. Like, I just need to stop remembering this just for a moment. It's just so horrible, right? Friends, let's be honest. Is that godly? I don't know why, but somehow I think we think, or at least I thought this when I was younger, that being a Christian meant you were supposed to feel bad, right? You know, for what purpose? I don't know. Like it shows that you're sorry, right? But I think what God is most interested in is not that you're sorry. It's that you are able to change. It's that you're able to experience new life in Christ. I mean, first of all, what does God want? Does he just want you to be perfect? Well, I I mean, I think he wants you to be better, right? But for what purpose? Because he wants you to be like him. And he wants you to experience the kind of life that he has for you in Christ. And he wants you to be in him because to be like Christ means to be with Christ, right? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to unite our lives with God, right? And, And I gotta tell you, Regret doesn't seem to be a great way to get there, right? Because this is the thing about regret. Regret regresses. I think it's in the, the word. You guys know what it means to regress? It means to go back, right? go backwards. Instead of forwards, you're going the wrong way, right? And so if the goal of the Christian life is to move forward, to move forward in holiness and love and purpose and passion and, you know, to promote the kingdom of God, all of these things, that's supposed to be moving forward. It doesn't mean to go backwards. But when you're regretting, that's literally what you are trying to do. And the thing is, friends, is that you can't, right? So this is the thing. You are trying to go back. You're trying to undo something, right? Because this is what's happening in your mind, is that you are experiencing this thing that you're remembering or this thing that wasn't completely dealt with. You are experiencing it as a threat to you, right? You think about it and it upsets you. Right? And what happens when there's a threat? Your body has typically, well, we used to call it fight or flight, but now we're finding out that there's all these other responses we have. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, right? Like, and and if you guys don't know what fawn is, it means like trying to like bargain with someone or butter them up or get them to like you, right? Uh, the freezing is like the last resort, right? But this is the thing, friends. If the thing that is upsetting you or the thing that you think is harming you is not real. It, well, it, it's not real anymore, right? It's in your memory, and you can't deal with it. You, you don't have a time machine. You can't go back there and fix it. Fight is out the window. You could try, right? That's part of the reason why we replay it. It's, it's almost this crazy, insane impulse that we relive it as if it were going to change, and it's not going to. So if you replay it a few times, I mean, you know, you're going to come to the conclusion, I think, uh, that it's not doing any good. So what are your options? What are your options? Well, you can't fawn, right? You can't bargain with the memory, right? It's going to be flight or freeze. It's all you got. It's all you got, right? So you're going to run away. You're going to run away from what? You're going to run away from the bad feeling. Or you're going to freeze, right? You're going to be like, I I just don't want to do anything. I just want to be numb, right? It's all we have. And friends, that I think, I hope you know, is not going to help you move forward. So what instead is supposed to happen, right? So we are told that this whole godly grief thing is supposed to produce a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So guys, if regret is leading you in the wrong direction, you're trying to go back, you're you're trying to replace something that can't be fixed, and then you're trying to run from it. Either way, you're going the wrong way right? It's not moving you forward. Then what is repentance doing? So repentance means to turn around. That's what it means, right? It means to change your direction. And so you guys may know that we do this prayer of repentance every week. And what it's about is recognizing that your life is not necessarily always going in the direction that it's supposed to. And so we make a recognition of that so that we can turn, right? Turn towards where God wants us to go. Right. And then we need to walk in accordance with that repentance, which means now moving forward. Right. And so, friends, how do we do that? How do we do that? Friends, um, I got to say that um, for me, I think that if you just take this verse. Right. And you just take it at face value. For me, I, I became very, very interested in this whole regret thing that I've been experiencing, and I'm like, I got to deal with that. I got to get rid of that. How do I do that? I'm not perfect, right? So not making mistakes is out the window, right? And I don't want to be a sociopath. I don't want to be somebody who just makes a lot of mistakes and hurts lots of people and doesn't notice when I do it, right? Because neither of those things are going to lead to the life that God desires us to. So how else are we supposed to do this? Friends, I, I want to just take a moment real quick, and we're going to actually have to like whip back through the slides real quick. You guys remember what we did earlier during this service? We do this every week. We do a prayer of repentance. What are we talking about here, right? We, we talk about this idea that in order to get to your life being better, saved, improved, renewed, restored in the direction that God wants you to be, right? The way you get there, you have this regret or this grief, right? This thing where you're like, okay, I know I did something wrong, right? And now what you need is repentance. You need to be able to turn. And so we pray this prayer of repentance every week. We just did it, right? And I know that oftentimes we use very, like, sometimes we use the same prayer of repentance. I got to tell you, I'm just going to show my hand to you guys, kind of like let you guys see behind the curtain of the inner workings of LGM. This is my favorite prayer of repentance. And you guys know it because it's the one we do the most often. Usually I take this prayer of repentance and it's in rotation every other month. But this past mo- couple months, just because I've been on vacation, whatever, I'm like, I like it so much, we're going to let it run for two months. So I don't know if you guys noticed that. We didn't change it out last week. It's the same prayer of repentance. And friends, I want you to notice... Okay, think about worldly grief, and just maybe, like like naturally, your flesh, the way that we normally work, and the way that we normally want to change our lives, or you know, maybe not not want to change our lives, but what naturally happens when you do something bad, and you see if you see any differences when it comes to the prayer of repentance that we have here. So it says, um, "Most merciful God, we confess." that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. So friends, what do you notice in this? First and foremost, it's a confession. If You guys know what a confession is. It, it, It means to state true things, right? So confession doesn't mean you're stating bad things. It just means you're stating true things, right? You can confess your faith in Christ. You can confess that God is Lord right? Because you're stating a true thing. You can confess your love to someone, right? So it's not always a bad thing. But what are we talking about here? We're saying that we're saying something true. Because this is what happens, friends. When we do something bad, we don't want to own that, right? So many of us, we're like, oh, man, like, 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 have you ever had someone or have you ever done this to yourself where you played this game where where, where you just kind of like, 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 the way you look at that thing is just not reality. Yeah, you, like, like, you make up all these excuses. You're like, ah, oh, what I did, it wasn't that bad. Like, oh, like, oh, they're being so dramatic. Why are they getting so upset? It's not that big a deal. It happens to everyone. Or, hey, I was having a bad day, right? No, like, like, come on, I'm human, right? Or like, oh, I didn't even know I did that, right? Like, like I, I didn't mean it. We do these things where we don't want to own the truth of it. But look at what is a necessary ingredient of repentance is this idea of confession. In fact, oftentimes in the church, when we talk about prayers of repentance, we combine the two. We call them prayers of confession and repentance because you need truth. You cannot divorce. You cannot sort of disavow what has actually happened. You have to own it. We have confessed that we have sinned against you in thought, Word and deed, that about covers it, right? And not only that, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. It's not just what you did, it's what you didn't do. Those times when we weren't loving, but what we could have been, right? And then we go through and, and, and we, we say exactly what those things were. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. So there is a sense in this where godly grief is grief. It's pain. You're going to need to feel the pain of that. It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to skip the step, friends. Right? And, and, and friends, i got to say, if you've ever really, really loved someone, I mean really, really loved someone, like, like you love them so much that you would give your life for them in a heartbeat. Do you know someone like that? Maybe it's someone in your family. You know, for, for me, I mean, it is my family, right? If they hurt, you hurt. If someone messes with them, you're just like, oh, I am going to destroy you, right? Like, you just love them so much that, I mean, you would do anything for them, right? So friends, imagine that that person, you did something to really hurt them. I mean, like, like you, you, you love them, and th- this is the thing. The way that we deal with the pain, right? Because a lot of us, I mean, we don't know what else to do. We already said, sometimes you can't fight it, right? You can't fix it. It already happened, you already hurt them. So our only real choices are to flee or freeze. So what do we end up doing? We either pretend like it didn't happen or we run away. Like, well, guess I'm never gonna see that person again, right? And we just try to distance ourselves from that hurt. But that's not what happens here. We need to feel that pain. If it's someone that you really love and you're like, okay, I wanna continue to have a relationship with you. I can't flee from you. It's gonna hurt, isn't it? If you did something to genuinely hurt them, it hurts you too. Man, I can't believe I did that. How can it not? And if you try to avoid that, friends, I don't think you're facing the truth of what you truly did, right? And that's part of the reason why, if you have ever had someone give you an apology and there's no pain there, why it reads so false, right? Where you hurt someone, or like, like someone hurts you and you're like, dude, what the heck? And that person's like, sorry. And, and you just tell there's no pain there, right? Like they didn't experience anything, right? And you can tell they're not really sorry, Right? They don't really feel the pain of that. And so you do have to feel the pain. Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. Well, that, I felt a little pain from that. Um, so, friends, you know, we are truly sorry and we humbly repent, which is what? We turn. We turn. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. For what purpose? So you stop feeling bad? That is not the only purpose, right? And this is where... Worldly grief gets it wrong. Because worldly grief, that when we have it, in our flesh, what, 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 the only thing we want is to stop experiencing that pain. And so if you can avoid it, or if you can numb yourself, or if you can drink a lot, right, then you will stop feeling that pain. But godly grief has a different purpose. And it is salvation. It is love. It is life. It is the kingdom of God. And in order, friends... To have that, you can't just not feel bad. You need to start living in a different way, right? And so that's where we see this part. So have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, right? We want to be able to walk in a different way now. So friends, let's go back to it real quick. So what do we need then? What, what do we need to, to live this, uh, uh, this life without regret? To move forward, right? The only way we're going to do it, I think, is with the cross, right? So friends, we already said it. You have to confess. You have to face your pain. But it is painful. And most of us, we can't face it for long. And that's why we have the cross. The cross is the symbol that tells us that Christ has died not just for a few people's sins. He died for all the sins. He died for your sin, right? And that there were people who did horrible, horrible things to Jesus while he was still on that cross, and he was still forgiving them, right? Um, Sometimes when we do this on Good Friday, um, there's some churches where they take the sins and they nail them to the cross. They literally take a nail and they nailed the sin, like you write it on a piece of paper, and it's on the cross. And there Jesus is hanging, and all of, your cross, all of your sins are there too, right? All of your sins are being paid for. All of your sins, Jesus is dying for. Every single one, and every single one is forgiven and covered with the blood of Christ. There is not a single thing that you have ever done that cannot be forgiven, And again, friends, I told you, I warned you, this series over the summer, I mean, there's a lot of things that you have already heard before. You already know this, right? But you may need to be reminded, you are forgiven, right? Does it sound weird after the prayer of repentance when you hear me say, as an ambassador of Christ, (laughs) you are forgiven. I've had people, because I've been gone for the past few weeks, I've had some people, when they fill in to preside for me, they're like, Pastor Steve, I'm cool with every part of the service, but the one part that I like seriously can't do is when you pronounce forgiveness for other people. I'm like, why? Why do you have a problem with that? They're like, because I'm not a pastor. I'm like, do you think I'm the one forgiving them? No. It's Christ. I am proclaiming something that has already happened. It happened 2,000 years ago. You are forgiven. That is a present reality. It didn't just happen. And it doesn't happen because you are so sorry. It happens because Christ is so good. It happens because Christ's sacrifice and the power of God is so mighty. Right? It has literally, in some ways, nothing to do with what you deserve has everything to do with the goodness of God, right? And so the cross, it covers all of that. And friends, we need that because our sin is so hard to face. The mistakes that we make are so hard to face. The only way you are going to really move forward is if you can own your story of what you have done, and you're only going to be able to do that as far as I'm concerned in the light of the cross, and I do mean the light. The light of the cross needs to shed itself on all the things you've done. This is the thing with shame, friends. Shame is all about hiding, right? That's why when you do something really bad, you instantly want to hide it. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. No one can ever see, right? But this is what the cross is doing. This is what Christ is doing. This is what the light of Christ is doing. It's shining on those things and saying, no, 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 do not divorce those things from your story. That's part of your story. Because, friends, if you really want to change, you're going to have to face it. You're going to have to own it, right? Because what happens when you don't, right? We were kind of joking around about someone who lives a life without regrets. that They could be a sociopath. But think about it for a moment. If every time you make a mistake, you're like, mm, I can't face it. I can't think about it. You're not even thinking about how you could change. You're not even thinking about the people you hurt. You're not even thinking about how, what, what a, an alternative life might look like. You're just like, avoid, avoid, avoid. So you will never change. Right? And the reason why that thing happened in the first place is because of you. Let's be honest. There's probably something in your story. There's something in your past. There's something in your sinful flesh where you have an inclination to do certain things. And guess what? You are going to do them again right? And when you do them again, what's going to happen? Probably something similar. You're going to hurt someone again. You're going to make that same mistake again and again and again and again and again, unless what? Unless you can face it. You face the truth. This is what happened. This is the person I've hurt. This is what I did. This is what it cost me. This is the kind of person now that I want to become, right? Right? And if you can face that in the light of Christ, there's another element of the cross. The cross, Jesus still isn't still up there, is he? Right. The cross is empty because Jesus rose again. Right? The cross represents the possibility of life after death, of a new start. Part of the problem, friends, of our mistakes is they feel like such a dead end, Right? You're like, oh, nothing good is going to come from thinking of that thing because I can't fix it. And sometimes there's a part of us that's really afraid of facing our past because we're afraid of what it means. We're afraid if we really faced our past, we're going to uncover some really, really ugly truth about ourselves or about our future. We're like, because of this, it disqualifies me. Because of this, I really am a terrible person. And in the light of the cross, we are told, There's nothing that you have done, there's nothing you will ever do that cannot be redeemed by what Christ has done. Can I get an amen? It's so good, guys. Come on. Can I get an amen? Seriously, think about that. There's nothing that you have done and nothing that you will do or not do that cannot be redeemed by the cross and what Jesus did for you. Nothing. 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 So you can face everything. You made a mistake. It is a big deal. You hurt someone. You did something that there's going to be consequences. There's going to be ripple effects. Of course there is. How can there not be? But in the light of Christ, you can face that and say, yeah, I did that. Yeah, that's me. Now what? Now, if you can accept it, now you can let it go. If you really own it. And say, but now, Jesus, I give that to you. I lay that before your feet. And now I want to walk in a new way. Friends, the problem with regret is that and, and the godly grief that we're talking about, it's all about fear. And and the thing with the the, the the godly grief that we're talking about is that it's about love. Even look at what happens with Paul, right? Paul in the Corinthians. They experience this grief, and they're like, yeah, you know, we've done wrong. We shouldn't have done that, right? And and they actually go through kind of a mourning period. If you read the scripture, they, they, like, feel really, really bad. But then what happens? Their love gets renewed. It's not about feeling bad. It's not just about not feeling bad anymore. It's about, like, yo, we really love Paul and his companions. We really want to support this ministry, right? And so they renew their love. And so love grows from that. And friends, that's the energy that we have to have. And so when you make a mistake, what, the, what, what needs to happen is you need to experience the energy of love. It needs to come through forgiveness. It needs to come through forgiving yourself. It needs to come through accepting God's forgiveness, right? And friends, even in that situation, I know it sounds weird, but in that moment when you are feeling bad or you're beating up on yourself, right, don't stay there too long you got to switch. you got to flip to this place where you know without a doubt that you are loved. You need to remind yourself. I tell people this sometimes. There's times where I'm like feeling so bad about myself. Man, I'll just put on a, a song that just like talks about the unconditional love of God. You know, reckless love or something like that, you know. You know, oh, how he loves me. And it's like, my heart is like, I don't believe that for a second but I'm just trying to get it into this hardened this heart, heart of mine. I just need to be reminded of that. I am loved. And friends, I got to tell you that, you know, for me, every moment, I mean, there's so many moments where I feel bad about something or I did something or I remember a memory. And, and, and friends, it, this is not about doing it perfectly. You cannot live a life without any regrets. But if you are going to do repentance right... You got to learn how to shed that regret, right? So when you feel the regret, when you feel the grief, when you feel bad, right, that there needs to be this energy where you're like, okay, I did that, and now God, I let it go. And that's got to be your life. You got to do it again and again and again, and you got to learn how to keep walking towards Christ and towards where Christ wants you to go. Friends, I just want to take a moment. Um, It's a simple message. It's not a hard message to understand. You've heard it before but I wanna take a moment to do something that's a little riskier than you hearing a message that you already know. I wanna actually deal with a regret in your life. Now, I'm gonna have a disclaimer here. Some of you may not be ready to deal with that. I mean, for some of you, you're just gonna block it out, right? <laughs> or you're probably just not gonna to wanna to listen to this part. That's fine, right? I'm being honest. If at any point that uh, uh, this becomes too intense or you start to get overwhelmed, right? I, I just want you to either just leave the room, just cool it, just take a walk, right? Or you can just sit here and just keep saying Jesus or something like this, like, you know, I love you, Jesus, Jesus loves me or something like that, right? Just, just, just focus on the love and grace of Christ. Right? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the thing you've done. But friends, I, I just want to take one thing, one regret, okay? One regret, one regret. Now, my suspicion is because something popped into my mind, I, my suspicion is something already popped into your mind, just automatically. When I said one regret, just boom, there's a picture. Yeah? Do you guys have something? If you do, cool. If you don't, let's just take a moment to pray. So if you guys, um, you, you know, I, I want to encourage you not to bow your heads, but just keep your back straight. And, but you can close your eyes. Close your eyes and, and just, just ask God, God, what is one regret? One thing that that regret is not producing life. It's producing death. I just keep going back there, and it's beating me up, and I feel terrible, and I can't fix it. And it's just, yeah, it's just no good there. (laughs) What is that one thing? God, would you reveal it to me? Is there a picture? Friends, that thing that happened, you did it, or you experienced it. And friends, I, I hope I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You cannot change that. We cannot go into the past. It happened. You were a part of it. It is now part of your story. But the good news in Christ is that there is nothing in your story, no matter how horrible, and, and, and we want to hold those two truths at the same time and say it can be horrible. Maybe what you did is horrible or what happened to you is horrible. That that can be true, and yet there is nothing that God can't redeem. There is nothing that is more powerful and the cross of Christ, amen? And so friends, I want you to take a moment and to just remember that thing that you did or you experienced. And if you could just picture it for a moment and just remember, God loves you. You are forgiven. Jesus has paid for every sin. So even as we're doing this, your sin has already been paid for. And so we face this in the light of Christ. What did you do? Friends, that was who you were. You know, and a lot of us, you know, maybe you were distracted. Maybe you weren't fully present in that moment. And it's something you wish that you could change. You wish you had been more present. Maybe in that moment, it's like the disciples when they told Jesus they were going to do one thing and they did something else. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we just kind of slid into a choice. It just kind of happened. And here we are. Friends, what is that thing? Can you see it? Can we take that thing right now and just acknowledge that it happened? It's part of your story, but it's in the past. God loves you. God's grace is over you. God is shining upon you. And even through that story, God can bring about redemption and healing. It doesn't mean that there aren't some ripple effects from that thing, and there still are. But can you just give that thing to God, and can you let go of it? Can we just acknowledge that no matter how much we hold on to it and relive it, we cannot change it? So that thing, we just want to set it before Christ, just gently, right? Just set it before Christ and let go. Don't hold on to it, right? And so, friends, can you just do that in your mind or in your heart? Maybe you can just say it. You don't understand what it means, but just just say these words. God, I give you this thing that happened. I give you this memory. I give you this regret. And friends, just let it go. I I know it sounds weird. (laughs) How do you do that? And if it's hard to do that, If the memory just keeps coming up, just say Jesus. Every time the memory comes up, just say Jesus. Jesus. And then let go. Let go. It's not yours anymore. It was part of your story, but now it is part of the story of salvation and redemption in Christ. God will use that, and God will bring new life out of it. Friends, you are loved. You are a child of God. The Holy Spirit can live within you and teach you how to live in accordance with that spirit, how to live in a new way out of love. And I want to take a moment, friends. If your regret involved someone that you hurt, can you just take a moment to picture that person? And just, you know, maybe picture them smiling. And it it probably... If, if you feel that hurt very deeply, it's probably someone you care about. Can we just take a moment to just bless that person? Right? You can't fix everything. You can't fix what happened. You don't even know exactly how that hurt that person or what the ramifications of that are. Only God does. So can you just take a, a moment to just bless that person? Say, God, will you bless them? Give them your best. Repair and heal them. Lord, lead them into glory and goodness and love and grace in their life. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you so much that we have redemption in Christ. There's not a single one of us who is perfect. But God, we don't want to disown our lives. We don't want to live numb and running away from these things that we've done and just continuing to make a mess and continuing to repeat the mistakes. Lord, help us to live in the light of Christ and to learn how to live without regret, but to live in repentance, to live knowing, God, that we are forgiven and we can live in that forgiveness. We can live in a new way. We can live in love because of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.